The Covenant. Guy Ritchie's Army movie. Let's talk about it. And join today with special guest, drumroll please, Corey Stone. Thanks for having me on, everyone. Longtime friend and longtime listener, um, avid fan of the show. <laughs> and big, big movie lover overall. Yeah, Corey won the sweepstakes to get flown out here and join us in studio for the podcast. So really happy to have you, Corey. Very Honest, excited. Honestly, if we didn't have Corey on the podcast at least once, it would just feel wrong because Corey's into movies more than I would say both of us combined. So you know that good angel and bad angel you have on your on your shoulder. Corey's that angel that's on the far far left shoulder, and it's the very very bad angel. Depending on which side you're standing on, though, if you're looking in the mirror, it could be the good one. We'll see where it goes tonight. Hey everybody, so formal spoiler warning, if you haven't seen the, sh- the movie, The Covenant, please tune in afterwards. Uh, this is your final warning. Dun, dun, dun. No, give all the spoilers. So the, uh, the Covenant is Guy Ritchie's war movie, but also his search and rescue movie, which I really enjoyed. Rachel, do you want to give the synopsis? Yeah, so basically... Jake Gyllenhaal plays the main sergeant and he has to work with an interpreter in Afghanistan and the interpreter basically helps them navigate Afghanistan. He speaks the language. That's his basic main role. But this whole movie is based on Jake Gyllenhaal's army looking for bomb threats against the U.S. and they get themselves in a bind. They find one. The Taliban attacks them and the interpreter basically saves Jake Gyllenhaal's life. And it's the whole story of, you know, repaying a debt of one's life. Yeah, this was really cool because it was like two search and rescues in one where the first half, the interpreter is, you know, rescuing Jake Gyllenhaal and bringing him to safety. And then the second act of the movie, you know, roles are reversed where Jake Gyllenhaal go, goes back in to save his friend, the interpreter. Gotta say, I'm like a huge Jake Gyllenhaal fan. I love him. I feel like he's such a slept on actor. Like he's not talked about enough and I'm, he's honestly on my top three actors. Yeah. I'm a little biased when it comes to Jake Gyllenhaal movies because everything he's in, I really like, even if it's bad and it's hard for me to go in with like an objective point of view when I'm watching his movies, like Nocturnal Animals, Uh, even like Southpaw was, I really enjoyed. Southpaw was hecka good too. Yeah, It was really good, but I feel like i Enjoyed it just even 10 times more. Corey likes Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, huge Brokeback fan. Uh, he's just, uh, he's a great dedicated actor. And we love to see him kind of completely lose himself into roles. So this wasn't any different. I think this is Jake Gyllenhaal's first movie with Guy Ritchie, right? Or I do believe you know? so. Yeah, I believe so. We can definitely fact check that. But So that was cool because Guy Ritchie's like quickly becoming one of my favorite directors, I, I think. Is that right? I think, like, all his stuff that he does, I really like, like, especially recently, like, he has, he goes, his discography goes back so far with, like, Snatch, and that was when I was first introduced, but The Man from Uncle, um, The Gentleman, Aladdin. I love all those movies you just listed off. Yeah, those have been, like... Noah made me watch Snatch, actually, recently, because it's an older movie, and I really enjoyed it. I did miss a couple with... Looking over his IMDb page right now, Operation Fortune and Wrath of Man. I did miss those, but I'm eager to dive into those. But the Guy Ritchie team up with Jake Gyllenhaal was just kind of a a slam dunk for me going into this movie. I just checked and it doesn't look like they've done a film together. Yeah. It was also quite refreshing because Guy Ritchie 
doesn't really do a lot of these type of, of films. A lot yeah, of his, his, his films first are, war movie, right? You know, yeah, they're like character work with a lot of sort like of spies. It's like uh, some crime. Well, he does all the British, crime, the British gang stuff, right? British gang stuff. So it was it was nice. The Cockney slang. Yeah, a lot of that too. So it was cool to see. All right, and definitely an honorable mention to his castmate Dar Salim was. Well, I think in, it's more than an honorable mention. He was he was hecka good. In this he one. was so I'm in love with him. He stole the show in the literally game. in love with Actually, him like, throughout every the show. every scene that he was in. I was just like in love with him. That's the best way I could say it. His honor, his pride, his stares. He didn't say much if you really think about the film. Like, he didn't say a lot. I, I bought him being a badass. And yeah, his performance was very subverted. It was, like, really relied on looks and glances. And uh, yeah. you can really tell a lot about an actor by how they're using their face. And uh, he really kind of used a lot of that to rest upon. So it was... Really cool. Because to me, when you first look at him, he doesn't look very intimidating. But then after a few scenes, you're like, oh, man, this guy's for real. He's hardcore. He's a badass. And like, (laughs) I wonder how many times we we jinx over the course of all these conversations. Been together for 10 years. We jinx a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious now to see what other movies he's been in and take a deeper dive into his, his career. For sure. Yeah, I and didn't recognize you him from anything. Remember that scene, like to Cor- like to when I was saying that he didn't speak much. And to Corey's point, he like relied on his facial expressions. But um, remember that scene when he was like when Jake had lost all his men, and he was just like kind of looking at Jake, but like wanted to say something but didn't. Mm-hmm. And he ended up not saying anything. But like that scene was just so powerful because Jake didn't even say anything either. He was like snarling at the camera. It was just a weird like. I don't know. I it just really an, liked yeah, it. Yeah, it was an interesting interaction. I just think, yeah, I think that Dar Salim was really the the actor that carried this film. Yeah. Um, because Jake, I felt, did a decent job. He, like, held the character fine, but he didn't really go over the top in, in terms of... Yeah, in like, eyes, there's, so. there's a lot of people that probably could have played, like, the hero role in that aspect because usually Jake makes it his own. But yeah, because yeah, you that. really had to, like, feel him being, like, a badass and capable, but then also, like have sympathy for him with him trying to save his family and the positions he was put in. So I felt like you always felt his motives and you're always worried about him, especially at the end when they have the final climax and, you know, are they going to make it out? Are they not? Cause you're really invested in the character and you really want to see him and his family. Yeah. Survive. I was more invested in him than I was in Jake's character for sure. Yeah, um, what sure. I will say is that obviously it sounds like Noah was, had high expectations walking into the movie since it was Jake and Guy Ritchie, right? Yeah. For me, that was the draw to see The Covenant was... And I didn't realize that this was going to be that big of like a search and rescue movie. I know in the trailers, that's what they advertise it as. But I didn't expect for the suspense and action to be that engaging. And I'm not sure if that's because this is sort of Guy Ritchie's first like war film true war film he does have the king arthur which has a lot of fighting in action but it's not you know like a modern war that that they, they're portraying so that was the draw for me going into it was that combo but also pleasantly surprised that dar Salim really stole the show for me for sure yeah well, and you we were seeing guy Ritchie kind of 
try out different genres uh, of recent years. Dude, that's the thing. He's been hitting them all too, like Aladdin. Because I told Rachel. Aladdin is so weird that he did that. I was shocked. It was, that was like one of the best Disney remakes. It was uh, so might, good. That might be an unpopular opinion, but all the Disney remakes have not been very good. But the Aladdin one was like, I think maybe like one of the it was few ta- It was, yeah, one of the better ones for sure. He has hit I a lot of genres. Corey's anti-Disney. Can't say. I would say that Cinderella, the Cinderella remake is my favorite. But I actually never saw that. Well, there you go. We have, we have something to watch. <laughs> I saw the Cinderella remake. It was pretty good. It's but a, it was Aladdin was remake, just shocking man. because Mulan was so bad. So I was like so nervous for Aladdin because those are my favorite princesses, Jasmine and Aladdin or Mulan. And so, so he did like a family movie with Aladdin, and then his usual forte with the Man from Uncle and the Gentleman, which is kind of like his staple. But then also now dabbling into modern war, like a war flick. I, I think he's been like executing and firing on all cylinders. And to me, it was cool because his distinct style of filmmaking, I felt, because you kind of can feel that in Aladdin, you know, his theme or his style of filmmaking was in Aladdin. But in this one, it was like not so much. And there was a lot of like new flavors that he added to to the to the Covenant, where if I didn't know it was directed by Guy Ritchie, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell, but... Yeah, it, it's like, because he's dancing around in different genres, it's, it's hard to see a through line through a lot of his recent work. Like, Rachel just saw that he did Aladdin and was like, he did Aladdin? But like, in Aladdin, like I would have I never see. had guessed that had I... Well, now if I watch it back, maybe I'll be able but to see... But in Aladdin, there's a lot of, like, Guy Ritchie mannerisms Like in what? It. It, he kind of does this thing where he kind of, like, fast-forwards, but it's not like a true fast-forward. And it's like the camera move. I, I, I'm not a filmmaker. I don't know what it's called, but there were some times where I'm like, yeah, this kind of like, I, it has some of his mannerisms in the movie, but I didn't see any of that in The Covenant, which I thought was cool because it's showing that he has kind of like new tools or he's, able, he's, he's growing and, you know, trying new things out. And I thought that was, you know, really engaging. Yeah, yeah, me as well. Going through expectations. Once I heard that he directed Aladdin and the gentleman was so good, I was just really excited for this movie. I usually don't like war movies because they make me cry and I just like to stay away from them, but definitely excited to see this movie. What about you, Corey? What was your expectations going into this? Uh, Guy Ritchie's been always hit and miss for me. So my expectations for a film of Guy Ritchie's was fairly low, um, but Jake Gyllenhaal always chooses good films except like for I, his animation what was uh, i don't think you saw it i went to see strange world where oh, he, he okay. was like animated voice that's right that's that right. was not bueno yeah maybe uh maybe we blame disney animation for that i'm not sure but i feel like all of his choices were and have been pretty decent he always chooses good projects with good people behind it so i went in with decent expectations because i could of think of another bad one velvet J- 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 buzzsaw what was it called the art movie velvet buzzsaw yeah he did a few can we fact check that rage he did a few of those films what was the one that he did with soderbergh the big spider on the wall remember that one that yeah. was good enemy enemy i like that one yeah he makes some velvet makes... buzz buzzsaw i did velvet see that buzzsaw. one that was trash that one, that one, looks, really? super, that one was that weird. one looked like it was gonna be like super sick wasn't and that then a netflix wasn't... movie it, it might have been. Ne- it was on I like netflix remember. that's probably why it was bad well they all have their duds but I he think... was on okja enemy was actually denny really new oh, right? but either way no i get it like so i was just he... trying to pull Corey's leg in the long run i i mean if you look at his discography as a whole you're gonna look through it and be like yeah, he's like the main character in something he delivers for sure I so agree. top three jake jill movies core 
Donnie Darko, Brokeback Mountain, uh, Prisoners. Oh yeah, Prisoners good. I love, dude. If Hugh Jackman was in this movie, it'd be like my favorite movie. <laughs> I was a huge Hugh Jackman fan. Yeah, I think I like Hugh Jackman like just a little bit above Jake Gyllenhaal because Hugh Jackman sings. Right. So yeah, it's a good point. Gotta respect. Gotta it. have a singer in the in the mix. Yeah, but but Jake Gyllenhaal's twisted movies though mm-hmm. kind nocturnal. of separate him from, oh, no, from no. part from what, what's the it's not nocturnal he's in nocturnal animals but the other one creep show Nightcrawler no. Nightcrawler yeah Nightcrawler <laughs> dude that one was high five to me for getting yeah, that yeah, yeah. we, yeah, we high fived for those of you he didn't who give can't me the see. high five he didn't give me give it to all me right should we get me. deeper into this yeah so we're trying to switch it up a bit a new segment we have is would you watch it again you said I know last week. We're still testing it out. All right, Corey. So, would you watch it again? Yeah, I would. But I, there was a pause there, just because um, there was some parts in the film in terms of pacing that I didn't like a whole lot. So, um, I would watch it again. That was would only be if there was anything else around that. So you wouldn't pay watch. to watch this movie again, but if it's on TV, you would. Sure. That's that sounds about right. All right, Rach. To be honest, I probably wouldn't watch this again. Wow. I'm just not a war movie person. It was a pretty masculine film. I'm pretty masculine, but... <laughs> She's <laughs> but not. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> just joking. Um, no, I just don't really like war movies or like movies about like slavery or anything like that. Anything with just it like a strong it, history, like things like that are just really heavy. And I, I just don't want to put that on my brain all the time. So if it was on TV, maybe I would watch it for a little bit, but I'd probably change it to something happy. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And you can see that this was a pretty heavy movie. And I think I'm in the same boat as you, where I tend towards the, the more lighthearted movies. Cause when I go, you know, I want to try to have an escape and something that's, you know, fun and energetic. With that said though, this movie, I think I would watch again just because of, how intense it was and if to me it was a story that you know we've might have heard or seen a a few times like a search and rescue movie but the way that guy Ritchie filmed this it was so engaging to me and i really was on the edge of my seat and i know this was based on a true story but i still felt that you know we have to or they have to make sure that they're able to to save the interpreter and his family and get everybody out and really felt all of the emotions that go along with that so, so for, you'd want to feel it again yeah i would i would love to watch this movie again and um there's so many different kind of layers to it because it is kind of a long movie i think it was over 2 hours want to kind of rewatch it to see kind of what i missed or any other kind of Easter eggs hidden in there. I think I'm in the minority here. The yes, I would watch it again. It's all good. It was two hours and three minutes to be exact. It, feel, it felt a little longer than two hours and three minutes. It did it? feel a little longer. I think it's because we got to the theater like so early. Oh, yeah. Maybe. We were there like an hour before. But I do think like to Corey's point, well, we there, were, like... there were scenes that were just a little bit too prolonged that they probably could have snipped down a little bit. But then also it's I get the creative vision for it. We can get into that with the critiques. But it did feel a lot longer. I thought it was like at least two hours and 15 minutes at least. Well, before critiques, we should do favorite parts. All right. Let's get into our favorite parts. Corey, will you do with Corey, you start us off. Sure thing. Yeah, my favorite part is one that uh, I actually had a really big chuckle at in the theater. Uh, That part wasn't even that funny, you weirdo. (laughs) Really funny. Because it shouldn't have been in the film. 
Wait, hey, Corey, before, can I ask you, but I didn't ask you a question. Yeah. Did you like this movie better than Jarhead? No. So Jarhead's better? Fantastic film. Huh. All right, proceed. I don't even know if I would put it in the same boat as Jarhead. That's Sam Mendes. It's just too good. Um, but my favorite film, my favorite part of the film is a part that just made me laugh of the reason why I thought that it was there. It just didn't Ahmed's seem like brother. it fit there. Yeah, the whole middle of the film, for me, really was very rocky. Like, as soon as he gets back from the search and rescue, and he's saved by the interpreter, he goes back home, and there's this, there's this sequence of, of scenes that just don't fit really well with the film, and that's really where it started losing me. But when he returns back to Afghanistan to go find his interpreter friend, he meets the interpreter's brother at a cafe, and... Uh, they share some dialogue. The interpreter's brother says, yes, my brother's told me a lot about you. Blue eyes. You have these beautiful blue eyes. And I just... Had, and Jake's eyes look so blue in I that scene also. Cracked up. Because yeah, that part was, was kind of like unexpected. Strange. It was just strange to have. A few people did laugh at that. Actually, I think they said his son had blue eyes. So It's because uh, Ahmed's too. son had blue eyes. That's why. So you probably saw like his son in him as well. Or it was just like some tribute to something. Yeah. But Jake Gyllenhaal's eyes were popping in that scene. But it also, the brother character was just like, it also seemed like he could have been hitting on him. I don't know. Yeah, it was very because strange. Because he was a very flamboyant but... character. And so you're like, what's going on here? But... Do you want to know what's really funny is that throughout the whole movie, I felt like they were really, all the men were really pushing the limits of just like masculinity because they're all around just males all the time. Mm. And I really kind of enjoyed that because... <laughs> If they were saying, I, you should got to buy me dinner first. Like two guys just passing like mm. intel on each other. It's just like they were just pushing those limits all the time. And I like that because it's like, yeah, lose that toxic mas- masculinity. Like, yeah, soften uh, yeah. up a little soften bit. Soften up boys. a little bit. I think bit. that's also kind of like <laughs> locker room talk a little bit or like yeah. do you playing do that? sports growing up. Not to like that extent. <laughs> Not to that extent, but it is kind of like. Well, you also have never been in war with somebody for know, months mean, and years. That's like the epitome of like masculinity growing up playing sports a lot like you there was you know people that, would slap his butt yeah that's like totally normal or like saying like hey babe or something anyway uh so that was my favorite part what about did you have any other favorite parts or is that just basically it for you well i don't want to I'll, I'll take that one but you guys can have maybe i'll jump back in i would say my favorite part was wait can i go first because i don't want you to steal mine go ahead you're not going to steal mine i'm way more um in touch with my emotions than you are. My favorite part was the Homelander cameo. That wasn't my favorite part. Oh, He's yeah. making faces at me like, ha did I do it first? <laughs> Please no, call me dog. in because I'm not aware. So did you watch The Boys on Amazon? I saw the pilot. We tried to make him do it. Watch oh, yeah. It, Corey only watches movies. He hates TV shows. <laughs> but literally would love That's... that. It's such a good show. But anyways, Homelander, his name is Anthony Starr. He was actually in this movie. He plays like a private investigator who is really crucial at the third leg of the movie. They're kind of talking through the contract negotiations. And I was like, who is this guy? I've totally, I've seen him before. I've definitely seen him before. And then after a minute or so goes by, me and Rachel look at each other and we just kind of like look at each other and smile and like point at the screen Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah. So we both kind of came to that realization at the same time. And the reason why... It was so hard to recognize him was because he had a full beard where oh, on right? Homelander or on the boys, he, he's, he's like clean shaven. Baby boy clean. Mm. That was 
just something like a pleasant surprise. I was happy to see. And I thought he did a really good job playing that role, playing the, the kind of confident, cocky, good guy, but, you know, still want to make sure he gets his own and enjoyed seeing him there. My other favorite parts are that's it's not an isolated scene, but just all of the actual like desert rescue parts where to pick one, it would maybe be at the end where Ahmed has to, the Taliban is searching for him and is going to raid his house and him and his wife have to have to escape out, out of the back. That scene was intense. That was uh, done really well. And that was really cool to see where his buddy who's been helping him um, hide and go underground gives him a, he- a heads up and Ahmed has an earpiece in and his buddy's telling him, hey, they're at the front door 20 feet away, 12 feet away. And he's maneuvering around and at one point has to kill a man with his bare hands silently and then him and his wife escape out the back. That was probably my favorite intense kind of escape that they had to go through. Yeah, a lot of hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, because, you know, when they're escaping, they're, they're outnumbered. So to save their, their positioning, you know, they have to kill to them save quickly and, and silently. And bullets, honestly, because they're just in the middle of nowhere with no help, no ammo. Yeah, it was wild. No, all the, I would say like all the fight scenes were really good. Like even the opening fight scene when they actually did find the Taliban and like they had the Taliban's like, even that opening scene where they're laughing in that video obviously of some man saying no no like being tortured on a video and yeah that was tough that 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 really was intense to watch you can hear him screaming in the video they're watching they're laughing from there it was like intense they shot the taliban the guy clearly had been tortured he's like all bloodied and bleeding out and it's too late to save him but that first kind of mission that was done really well and tough to see and because you know that's where their kind of squadron kind of goes out one by one so that 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 was pretty heavy that was definitely like one of my favorite scenes i feel like guy Ritchie did a really good job of just like in general showing how our like the u.s army operates like moving left and moving right and checking corners tactical and and gruesome just really tactical really like poised and just obviously way more well maintenance than the Taliban, which they're going up against, who's just like all running at them, shooting bullets wherever they can. And it was just like a really good contrast to the U.S. Army, which was very put together, I guess would be my word. Something to point out, too, was his music selection for those scenes. It was not typically what you would see. It was like very string heavy. Score The score is quite amazing. Yeah, yeah I really enjoyed it. For sure. Yeah. yeah, they really keep you there. And they... Uh... It adds, it's amazing how much score and music can add depth to a scene that otherwise would be stale. Outside of the first fight scene, my favorite part was there was a scene in the film where a villager is offering to help the interpreter. He's kind of out of luck and he just needs to switch his car for his cart so he can go through the mountains. But he basically, the villager helps him out, and it was just nice. And the villager knows that they're wanted too, so he's kind of putting himself at he risk. He was like, you know, I know you're. There's a large bounty on your head, and I, you know, you're worth a lot of money, basically. But I hate the Taliban, so I'm willing to help you. And I just felt like that was just such a great scene, important to know. You know, I and just, there's a few times where he, at the end, too, Ahmed has a buddy that's on the inside who's putting themselves in danger to help him. So yeah. it, was, it was cool to see. I just really like that whole positive light 
in Guy Ritchie's film. So it wasn't just such a negative portrayal. And that's mm. what I liked. So, Corey, I think this will be your favorite segment for critiques. Kick us off. Uh, I'm going to get some water and take a nap or just kidding. Yeah, I might take this one for a while. I'm just kidding. So critiques about, uh, about how it could have improved. Just anything that kind of took you out the movie. And this is a, something that we've been trying to think of how to structure it. But it's, yeah. it's not you know like a formal film critique, but mm-hmm. just anything that took you out of the movie that you thought could have been better. That Or you would have done differently because Corey directs films himself. So Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty critical when it comes to film. Uh, I've been reading scripts and writing them for a while. So I just kind of have an eye into storytelling a little bit. I love the first you know, third of the film. I thought it was fantastic. I had really no issues at all until, you know, the first rescue was over and Jake Gyllenhaal's character, John Kinsey, returns home. There's a scene where he's trying to receive a visa for his interpreter friend so that he can get out of the country. And then they go into this strange montage of him on the phone trying to get a visa for his friend and talking to a bunch of sort of uh, customer service people over the phone. This immediately threw me out of the movie, and I was so impressed by the first third, and then was like, why? Well, if you didn't like it, imagine how he felt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it it just seemed to me like a master sergeant in the U.S. military um, with a purple heart is not able to get his friend. uh, He has to go through customer service phone call links to get his friend a visa. Very true. There could have I been a chain of command. Look, I, think, I think we have to remember, though, that, that this is based on a true story. Was that it? did happen. Then, was it based on a true story? Yeah, are you joking with me? or No. Yeah, it's based on a true story. They showed the pictures at the end, right? Yeah, it was well, based I'm, on a true story. The characters may be interpretations of real characters, and the story may be real, but I'm not sure every scene in the movie was, was bit for bit true story. Fact checking. Like, uh, like him on the f- on the customer service line for three hours a day for a week. Is that something that, well, that obviously, really, really happened? Yeah, I'm for not sure. sure. No. And oh, actually, this isn't a true story. No, this. I think. I think that the interpreters it, it, in the it, U.S. It they they made based a off of like, yeah real people. It was probably real loose, characters, it was probably real squadron that probably went through something people, trying but, to find a bomb, probably. But the interpreter saving his life was probably just like. A way to this. This really did happen. Is happening, but this isolated storyline isn't. Yeah, and I I will have to agree with Corey on this one. Like, I genuinely thought that middle part when he was home threw me off too. Yeah, I I will not fan. Usually, I I always play devil's advocate with Corey, but I will agree that they kind of spent too much time of him on hold and on the phone. There wasn't much for Jake Gyllenhaal's character to do when he was back at home, and they really tried to like. But there's so Stretch much. That there's so much you could have been doing. There's there's so much that you could have shown. There's so much that you could have shown. Like what? Not in Santa Clarita. The, the interpreter. Just fam- joking. The, what the interpreter's family was going through. Yeah, I would have. I would well, have. They did what the what Sergeant Kinsey had to go through bureaucratically to get this this visa. Not him pacing his living room, getting drunk, waiting for a three-hour customer but, service. But person. they did show what Ahmed's character did. They showed him having to lay low when he was, um, had those They should have done more with him, though. And I agree. Then it they been, do show I honestly feel like 
it should have been more of like the interpreter's movie than Jake Gyllenhaal's movie, and they should have just shown it from his side. Honestly. And then they show that they show Jake Gyllenhaal going to his superior and telling and using leverage against him, saying, "Hey, you're gonna do this for me. You're gonna get this." And he kind of cuts. Yeah, but uh, that was the after moment. the after was, the after yeah the, the the strange montage. It was, it was like of, ten fifteen minutes. But then he also go. He's at his house doing it, and then he also goes to his place of work. And it's like doing this thing on the ground where he's like drinking and being like, it was like such a strange sequence. Yeah. And it literally, I felt like you could have the whole first third of the movie. I felt like it could have just been like one or the other of those, like the scenes of him at the house and then the one of him in the office, but we didn't need both of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I do agree with that. But I also think that it was a good choice not to keep it on Ahmed's character because leading up to that point, we had like 30 minutes of just Ahmed getting Jake Gyllenhaal out. Sure. All the escape. So if but it, that's yeah. what the whole movie's about. But you need, but you do need some levity. You do, you do need a break from Taliban. The chaos. Fighting scenes with the army because we need a rest from that. But, yeah, it could There's ways around that. It yeah, could have been something. That. I would rather have watched what Ahmed was going through than Jake Gyllenhaal drunk. Where I see it, it's that we had... Up until that point, like 30 minutes of Ahmed escaping the Taliban. Mm-hmm. And then if we were to continue with his character, it's just going to be another 30 minutes of him doing that. So it kind of like set up the third leg of the movie. But it could have been done differently where he's kind of going through PTSD and feels that guilt rather than waiting on the phone line. Yeah. I think one movie that did it well, what's that Jeremy Renner movie? Oh, um, Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. When he gets back home and he's at the grocery store just shopping and it's very subtle, but you can tell he's like depressed or going through PTSD. Mm -hmm. Like something like that could have been like more effective than I actually kind of liked the montage with the flashbacks, but the waiting on the phone and him yelling at the customer service and stuff that was probably like a little too much. And I I agree. It did feel a little like that part. You're like, it was really funny though. When he went to his commanding officer's office and the, the guy was just like, you've been you've been uh, flagged from calling the curse customer service line. And then they played like a voicemail so of Jake Gyllenhaal stu- cut, cut, so like stupid. cursing in the phone. And like the first five seconds was funny. I was just like, oh, that's funny. But then it kept going and going. And I was just like, okay, it's kind of like, what's the point of this now? So now the, his, his sergeant is getting recordings of Sergeant Kinsey calling customer service line and then is replaying them back. It was the silliest thing. Agree with that, and I think that would probably be my biggest critique as well. Mm-hmm. Where they could have done something a different route with Jake Gyllenhaal when he was back home, that would have been more effective than him screaming on the phone. I agree. How did you feel about that little montage that they had with the flashbacks? I actually didn't really like it. I didn't either. Like, why would they show that all over again? Uh, maybe if they showed like a few, but they went through the entire thing again. I was like, we just yeah. freaking went it through was a this. Strange, there was a lot of strange choices in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I wasn't a middle, fan of the montage. I, I will say though that like that part was kind of shaky, but then as soon as they're back in Afghanistan, it kind of picked up right where it left off with the first leg of the movie. As and, it should. Yeah, so it was yeah. like right back at Definitely it. Definitely ended strong, which was good because yeah, yeah that that but, whole part of just him being home was very weird. Wasn't as effective as. It could have been. I don't think any of us really bought his wife either. Like being his wife. Well, Corey has like a different. Corey knew that she was not from the U.S. Yeah, I guess Corey has uh, an like ear dog for... ears or something. Yeah, I, I I do not like it when um, British people are playing American 
actors and putting on a, an accent, but then not doing it well. Because I, I, I couldn't tell. I literally could and not we, tell. Me and Rachel just spent the past like week and a half with our friends from London. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd, yeah. Anyway, I, I can easily tell when uh, someone who is not American uh, are doing an American accent and not doing it right. What if, how, about, how about Hugh Jackman? There's some actors who is do it, he who from do the UK? Well. He's he's Australian. He's Australian. Oh. There's some actors who do it very well. Hugh Jackman is is one of them. I genuinely just don't even notice when they're doing bad accents, though. Like, I genuinely think they're American until I hear them talk in an interview, and I'm like, what the hell? They're British? <laughs> the, only, the only critique I have... Like, even a- Eleven from Stranger Things had no idea. The only critique I have with accents is when, for, like, a franchise, is they have an accent, and then in the sequel, they drop it. And then I'm like, wait, what the heck? They and do? Sometimes, wow, uh, maybe maybe it's an isolated. <laughs> You've uh, never heard Maybe that. it's isolated for me. The Avengers. Who? The Scarlet Witch. Oh, is that right? What's uh, Elizabeth Olsen? Mm-hmm. I she has like a really thick like Russian? accent. Like, is it Russian? She has a really thick accent in one of the movies, and then she kind of drops it in late, later on or tones it down at least. Really? There is where I'm kind of when you kind of takes me out of it a little bit. So I guess the critique for me would kind of play off of what Corey said when they're just, you know, that whole scene where he's back home. But I just never really felt the love from the family. Like, I just didn't buy the whole family scenes. The wife, I didn't really buy. I did like her character. I thought she was, like, a real hero. But the kids, they barely showed. Are you talking about, like, both, like just just Jake Gyllenhaal's family or yeah, just Jake Ahmed's Gyllenha- family as I, well? Bought Ahmed's family, loved his family. I bought his, he was a caring father, bought all of that. I just did not buy it from the other side, from Jake Gyllenhaal. Didn't buy that part. That's my only critique is like him go, going back and like wanting to find the interpreter and get him out. Like, I'm like, yeah, I would too. You're, I just didn't really buy it. Like, I really bought Ahmed's family and I, and I feel like the other side was kind of lacking. You really have to work on the chemistry between uh, a husband and a wife in a film. It's very important. It needs to be. I don't think that, that was like a main driver, though, Even, for his motive for Jake Gyllenhaal's character, like his motivation. It wasn't for the love of his, of his family. So I think that's why they didn't really dive into, dive into it. It, it was him going back wasn't to save his family. It was because he was saying he felt guilt. Mm-hmm. He had this hook in him that this man saved his life, and now he's in danger. Yeah. I have to do something. Yeah, it I'm was, not saying that. I'm just saying like, what was the point of even throwing the family in then? At that point. Well, Here's so the thing: there, if, you, so if, there, you, if you want to put it in in any regard, it needs to be. It needs to be believable. It needs to be believable. And she had enough scenes. She had enough lines to be believable. Like that whole, and even in the truck when he's like, "Give me a kiss," like yeah, I was kiss like, me. "Of course she doesn't want to kiss you. She doesn't know you." <laughs> like <laughs> I didn't buy it. <laughs> She's a British lady going on. <laughs> She's from across the pond. She doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> for for me, it wasn't that he, he was torn to leave his wife. That's why he didn't go. I'm not but. saying that's why. I'm saying that I just didn't buy the whole family dynamic. Like, why put her and the family in and give them so much time and energy and him being like, I love you on the webcam for it just to not feel like a real family. It just didn't feel like a real family. That's my only critique. I'm not saying he went fought for going to war for them strictly. Like, I'm sure he went for the whole country. And for his pride and everything, but... So if you bought that, you know, this was a real family and they loved each other and 
Jake Gyllenhaal has to get back to his it would have made How me would feel, that have changed the movie for you? It would have made me feel like he had more to lose because I feel like he didn't have as much to lose as Ahmed's character. And this is kind of where, like, I feel like his role could have been played by anybody type of thing because Jake Gyllenhaal didn't, like... I didn't really feel bad for him at one point in the movie. Didn't feel bad when he got hit by the gun. Didn't feel... I well, felt I think, worse for... I think that is because it's not... It's kind of not really... Like, it is Jake Gyllenhaal's movie, but at the same time, it's Dar Salim's... It's more his movie. Yeah, but then they showed Jake Gyllenhaal's point of view the entire time, so whose movie is it? Well, he's the star, brings in the viewers, but, like, Dar Salim really stole the show, and it was yeah. really based around him, like, his motives and his, you know, him saving Jake Gyllenhaal and having to save his family, where, you know, could easily have been, you know, starring Dar Salim that's how I saw it, but I understand what you're saying, but I think that was like refreshing to see that it wasn't that classic I needed to get do this for my family. Yeah, it, it was so like, it was almost like guilt. It was like more guilt than Yeah. Yeah, I know, and I'm not saying that I think you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. Like I'm not saying that he had to go back for his family. Like that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I just didn't buy his family. Didn't feel bad for him. Go back. Go back. Like, go back. You owe that to... I want Ahmed's family to be more safe than your family type of energy. That's all I'm saying. Didn't feel bad for him. All right. Heading down the final stretch, we have three words and final rating. Corey, we've kind of been picking on you enough. Do you... We'll give you the chance. Do you want to defer going first? Or, and you know, we, we can take take it away from here. I'll what defer. You, you'll defer? Yeah. I'll, I'll, are you going to come back around? You skip. No, if you skip, you never go. Just I'm just kidding. joking. You're yeah, last, no, last. I'll go first. Jinx. No, no, you go first. Okay, I'll go first. Because you haven't went mm. first in a while. I don't mind. Except no takes forever. So you... I do take a long time. I like to really. So Noah's joke these. about grab the water, go use the bathroom, do it now. Yeah, I'm going to be here while. I'm actually going to cut out the long pauses in this. So it seems like I am a quick thinker <laughs> when I'm not. Um, you do not want to play Monopoly with me, and I suck at that game five you seconds. Do not. He can't read and think strategically at the same time. I can't time. walk and text. That's how bad it is. <laughs> and chewing gum, that throws I'm it all I'm actually stalling off. right now. Okay, so my first word is intense. All of those chase scenes and escape scenes were so intense, done so well. I can't remember the last time I was really... Um, there was one where Extraction with Chris Hemsworth, that was like really... That, but that was like more cool and action-y than, like, intense. With this one, you kind of were holding your breath on if they were going to escape and w will they be found out, who's going to who's gonna catch them, and, you know, all those what-ifs. So intense is number one. Um, number two was the... I'll be a little more specific, and I'll say strings, as in, like, the music choice. Had a lot of, like, violin or orchestra, orchestra type of music, or am I totally wrong there? Oh, okay. Yeah. So strings is your second word, is it? Yeah. And then we get to we get to elaborate on each word. Yeah. We do okay. do what you want with it. I mean, if it doesn't, if you feel like you need to, if it doesn't make sense. But then yeah. well, then it becomes it doesn't really become three words. It, it doesn't because Noah always explains it afterwards. Twenty-seven, so how you twenty-seven feel, yeah. to fifty words. You're supposed to just say <laughs> the three words and <laughs> leave it, but he always feels wait, like he has to explain it. Is this, is this I usually that you're just doing? say my words just and then make the last it, word. Make it your own. <laughs> so I have intense strings because of the music choice. That... I feel like he kind of has to explain strings though, because why would you say something like that? Because the music choice that guy Richie. <laughs> okay, chose. no, I get it now, but like 
You can't just leave the word like strings the first, up there without explaining that. The first, I, for lack of a better term, raid that they um, go through, the music choice was orchestra, kind of, and it was, I felt like, paired really well with the scene and really added the drama to it. The third word I have is gruesome. I'll stick with, with gruesome and pinpointing a scene where Jake Gyllenhaal's character is talking with Ahmed's brother, you can kind of see they're in a cafe and just in the cafe, there's a whole bunch of like AK-47s just like propped up against the wall, like very casually. So even going in to get your coffee, you know, you're in the war, you're in like a war, a hot war zone, deadly weapons all around. And that's kind of sprinkled subtly throughout the movie. Uh, another incident where that kind of happens is... Um, the scene I alluded to earlier with Ahmed having to escape the Taliban in his home, there's people down the street just barbecuing and you hear gunshots going off in the background and they're just, you know, eating lunch still like it's normal life. So that would be my final final word, gruesome. So intense, strings, and gruesome. My three words are going to be pride, camaraderie, and tense. Not intense, but tense because I was tense and I feel like... I'm going to have to throw the yellow flag there. You can't... Use tense. I use intense. So those are two different words. Corey, tiebreaker. What do you think? Can she use tense when I used intense? Yeah, I think those are those are two different words. Yeah. See. Yeah. All right. I've been overruled. Per usual, because you're always wrong. Okay, Corey. Your three words. Well, I don't think I'm gonna give much explanation. I think I'm just gonna say poor second act. Oof, Mike freaking drop my three words but what about the ending didn't you like the ending yeah the the first third and the last third are great it's that middle that really threw me out of it and um it was a bit of a shame that that it did but um strong strong opening strong closing i thought you said you weren't going to talk about it well i asked him a question yeah i mean strong opening strong closing but if you can't tie those two together then then what is what is the whole picture yeah. But then if somebody asks you about the movie and they're like, can you describe it in three words? You would just say poor second act. Mm-hmm. That would not make me want to go see it. Yeah, you leave out all the good parts about it. Yeah. Yeah, but but also, you know. Um, then needs, they know that it's bad in the middle. Well, it, needs to be, it needs to be a cohesive piece. Fair enough. Noah's still not happy with that answer, but fair enough. Corey will not be returning to the <laughs> podcast. I, will, I do want to say, though, uh, I, I had a cousin who served uh, in Operation Desert Storm. So I just want to make a shout out to all our veterans and um, yeah, people who are working hard to keep us safe and sound. We appreciate you out there. Thank you for your service, yes. for sure. Yeah, thank you for all your service. And I think that was a great, um, something I really appreciated was this movie being made and really bringing light to what was happening. The statistic that they threw out at the end with the interpreters kind of being killed off um, by the Taliban um, in recent years was like very alarming and really you kind of leave the theater a little uh, deflated. And sure. I, yeah, I literally looked over at Noah and like the entire movie, I wasn't sad until the end when they actually showed real life photos of the U.S. Army with their interpreters. And then that really just hit home for me and I'm sure all of us. It yeah. Was really intense ending. All right, Corey. So since you went last with the three words, you have to go first for a final rating. Okay. Out of uh, 10, baby. Yeah, I think... Um, and if you give this... No, go ahead. I would say I would, I would rate this 
if I was doing a letter grade, it would be like a B. Um, so out of 10. Yeah, so I would give it a 7.5. That's not a B. That's like a C plus, but... <laughs> a B is like an 8. A B is an 8. Okay, That's so, a B minus. So then it would be... Hey, what was your GPA? <laughs> <laughs> a letter grade, I'll give it a 7.5. <laughs> Uh, if I got a 7.5 out of 10, I got a B in the class. <laughs> <laughs> so, then I, so then it would be a C? Yeah, you yeah. give it a C plus. No, 7.5 is like a solid C. So, 7.5 is a C, yeah, solid C. When I think about like movie ratings, I always go by IMDb ratings and sort of like I sort of rack that rating up with films that I've seen and what they've rated. Yeah, I can see that because their grading system is kind of like one notch down. Like it's like a, a nine's like yeah, it's not exactly. It doesn't exactly correlate with let with the letter grade. Yeah, like so the if you're system. giving it a B, it would be like an eight, and we can. But you, he's going you off can add, You can add the caveat that this is um, separate from like an INDB score and. Okay, then yeah, that, that's that's the caveat I'll I'll add because there's a, you know I mean, you know. Shawshank and Pulp Fiction are in the eights. Yeah. So. I thought you'd give those higher, to be honest. No, no, he's saying those are the IMDb ratings. Those oh. are the IMDb ratings. So IMDb, all the ratings are like the A best. A little lower. Yeah, I heard you. <laughs> I literally don't want you to Maybe repeat it again. To redo that? Because I heard um, you. <laughs> I think people will enjoy that. <laughs> so is that your final rating? Is a 7.5? I would say a 7.5. Um, so a C. <laughs> That's Corey C in high school. No, I would be. I would give it a B. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's joking. I mean, I would give it a B letter grade, but an IMDb score of seven five. Okay, that makes but, sense. But those don't cor- those don't correlate. We're not IMDb. At the end of the day, what Corey is saying is it's passed. It's right about passing. It's a Corey eight and an IMDb seven point five. No, don't say that for Corey. He's not happy don't with that. Don't say Corey 8. And I yeah, don't. He's, he's not happy with that. Say it's a B letter grade for Corey and a 7.5 on the IMDb Okay, you scale. have to give it a Corey number grade. The Corey number grade is B? No, no, number. <laughs> Where out of 10, Corey? It's 7.5. <laughs> Just let him do the 7.5. It makes sense. Okay, let me clarify I think, that. I think him saying a B is throwing everything off, but 7.5 Let me clarify that the letter grade that I'm giving is not... Is not does not correlate with the, the number grade that I'm giving. Because the IMDb scores... We're not IMDb. Yeah, but this is how I rate, rate movies. He's allowed to say 7.5, okay? Just let it be. Okay, 7.5 So maybe we just take out the letter grade completely. That's what I said. Say, just take just, out the letter grade. Just a 7.5. We all, all, you asked, all we asked was out of 10, my guy. So. And a, and a 7.5 is a solid score. 7.5 solid is a score. very solid It has room score. for improvement. I actually thought that he was going to rate it lower, to be fair. Rachel, number, please. I'm going to go 8.2. 8.2? 8.2. What... Would you have needed to see in 10 seconds or less for that extra 1.8? I needed to believe in his family and I needed that whole, I guess like the whole, I just didn't really like the flashback scenes. I didn't like any of it. Him, him, his quote unquote going crazy scenes just weren't, I just didn't buy it. Yeah, poor second act. I am going to give it an 8.7 and that is 
I think this was a superior movie, but it did have some shortcomings to make it in that top tier and upper echelon of movies. But for a search and rescue war movie, I thought that this had some very original aspects from Guy Ritchie and kept me invested into the characters, motives, and also the action throughout. So an 8.7 for me. Okay. There we are, folks. Solid rating, I we think. Got, uh, we got all over the scale for that one. Yeah, I, think. I was really teetering on the lines of like 8.5 to 8.2, so. Good. But then when I started talking about his wife, I just started hating it more, so <laughs> I went down. Yeah, I guess we sort of get into that habit of like the more that we talk about the bad parts, the more that they're kind of more exposed than yeah, the good. Yeah, exactly. so. so maybe next time we will... For our next podcast, we'll start off with the bad parts no, first I think and then that's... do the good after, and maybe we'll see inflated scores. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Maybe so. I, it's it's not to say that that there weren't great parts about the film. Overall, it was were. such a great film, and I'm really glad that they shed light on everything that happened. All right, guys. There you have it. The Covenant, Guy Ritchie's new war, war film, was a B amongst all of us, at least, even though Corey's rating was weird. But uh, definitely recommend this one. And we look forward to hearing your thoughts. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for having me, everyone. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Corey, for coming in. You're not welcome back, Corey. (laughs)